John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who do not turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done and the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. Skipping down to verse 11. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly to help me. May all those who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, Aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving always say, The Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me, for you are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we look at this psalm, we can kind of see the, the outline, the, the theme that Pete Gregg kind of gives us in his prayer uh, method, right? You can notice the movement that this psalmist prays. You can see it in this psalm that he first pauses before God. I waited patiently for the Lord that I was in the presence of God. And then once he was waiting patiently before God, he talks about how the Lord has rescued him previously in the past. He spends time rejoicing in what God has done for him. He rescued him from a terrible place. He lifted him out of the pit. He not only lifted the psalmist out of the pit, but he puts his feet on solid ground, puts his feet into a new place, puts a new song into the mouth of the psalmist, and it leads to deeper trust in the character of God. As it says in verse 5, many are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned. None can compare with you were I to speak and tell of your deeds. Lord, there would be too many to declare. And you can see how that rejoicing, how that declaring what God has done for him in his life then leads him to pray the rest of the prayer. That as the psalmist finds himself in a place of desperation and destitution again, it bends his heart to trust God deeper in prayer. And he remembers in his past, Lord, I remember how you answered my prayer, and so I'm trusting you to answer these prayers. He recalls and remembers the faithfulness of God and how that impacts the way that he asks. Notice what it says in verse 11. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. 
Verse 13, be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. And skipping down to verse 16, may all those who seek you rejoice and be glad. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me, for you are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. In other words, the psalmist is saying, Lord, this is the situation that I find myself in. This is where I am. I am not in a good place anymore. I am in a place that I need your help once again, just like you used to help me long ago. I need you to come against the ones who are attacking me. Lord, I need you to come and rescue me. Lord, I need you to come and do these things again. And there's this underlying sense of trust throughout this whole psalm that he trusts that his prayers will be answered. He trusts that God will come and save him, that for the psalmist in the psalm, it's not about if God will save him, it's rather a matter of when God will save him. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. There's this trust that exists in the psalmist. And you see that throughout all of the psalms, especially these psalms when they find themselves in difficult places, that David, especially when he's crying out to God from wilderness seasons, from wilderness places, there's this heart of trust that the Lord will hear the cry of his prayer and will answer him. Do we have a similar trust when we approach God in prayer? Do we have that similar implicit heart to approach God like this? That when we go to the Lord and we ask things of Him, that we believe in our soul that God desires to answer our prayers? Or have we become cynical? Have we become jaded? Do we believe that God cares about the daily bread, not just the big things? Do we think that God doesn't care about us, doesn't care about our daily lives? Do we trust and pray like a parent implicitly trusts a child, or a child trusts a parent? In the book, uh, Pete Gregg tells the story. If you've read ahead, you're going to know this story. I heard him also give it in a sermon. I listened to him once. But he tells the story about how him and his family were going on vacation or holiday, as the English say it. Uh, they were going on vacation, and some friends of his rented a catamaran. And so these two families are uh, sailing the, the Mediterranean on this catamaran, and he said it was this you know, magical, wonderful vacation. And they're, they're off the coast of Croatia about to have dinner, when suddenly he says, Riser, all sitting around the dinner table about to eat, suddenly this massive swarm of mosquitoes comes into their space and they're swatting these mosquitoes but they've got to eat and so they, they bow their heads for a time of prayer and Pete says that his uh, friend was a newish Christian and didn't know any better and so his friend starts to pray against the mosquitoes. He says, Lord, you see these mosquitoes gathered here. You see how they are pestering and bothering our dinner. Lord, would you send these mosquitoes away? And Pete said, and his children are there around the dinner table, and they're agreeing, yes, Lord, send these mosquitoes away. In the name of Jesus, get rid of these mosquitoes. And Pete said, all the while, he's going, he's thinking in his mind, like, this is the dumbest thing in the world. 
God doesn't care about these mosquitoes. This isn't a good thing for us to be praying. Doesn't he know that God has bigger things in his mind to deal with? And also, we're praying this prayer against mosquitoes, and when God doesn't answer this prayer, I'm going to have to suddenly explain to my kids, why is it that when we prayed against the mosquitoes, they didn't go away? And so Pete is thinking all of this while they're praying, and he's just kind of getting more and more flustered, and then his friend stops, and he says, amen. And Pete says, right when he says amen, there was a, a breeze that came and blew away all of the mosquitoes at their dinner. And suddenly the prayers of petition turn into prayers of thanksgiving. Oh Lord, thank you for taking away the mosquitoes. You are so good and gracious. And Pete is just kind of sitting there a little bit mad. Like, this shouldn't have worked. This, this is not how prayer works, is it? I know that when I think about the way that I approach prayer and when I think about things like this and I think about the small mosquitoes in my life, I tend to have more of the heart of Pete than I do the heart of his friends, than I do the heart of even his own children. In my own life, I know that sometimes I'll have these things crop up and I'll think, should I pray about this silly little head cold that I have? Jesus doesn't really care about this, and besides, he's not even going to pray for this. Jesus has kind of bigger things on his plate to worry about than these insignificant small things that I'm struggling with. I know Jesus won't answer this prayer, so I'm not even going to bother asking it. But I've prayed this prayer ten times before, a hundred times before, or a thousand times before, and the Lord has seemed to make it pretty clear that he's not going to answer it this time it's in this that we have our heart that's bent not to trust in God and it's reflected in the way that we pray that the way that we pray tells us a lot about the real meat of our faith that you can really see someone's relationship with the Lord by how they pray someone pointed that out to me in seminary that you can tell uh, the relationship the professors have with the Lord by the way that they pray. And I've noticed it in my own life that um, you can really tell my own heart in the way that I pray. And it's oftentimes when our heart is bent not towards trusting God, it's reflected in the types of prayers that we offer. You know, there's this uh, quote, famous quote, it's also in Pete Gregg's book by William Temple. It's one of my favorite quotes on prayer. Talking about, you know, does prayer work? And William Temple says this, he says, here's what I do know. When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. I want us to think about our own prayer life for a minute. And I want us to really challenge ourselves and really just reflect on the way that we offer our prayers. Do we really pray like we trust God? Do we really pray with this sort of implicit trust and heart behind God? Do we really believe that when we offer up these prayers to God, when we bring our list of things to the Lord, that he cares about us and desires to answer our prayers. I know that when I think about my own life, I would probably answer that as no. That no, I really don't believe that this small insignificant thing God cares about. And so what that does is we just don't offer it. 
that we don't pray, Lord, give us our daily bread, because deep down, we don't trust that God will answer that prayer if we ask of it. And so we don't take our little things to him. We don't take our daily things to him. We don't take our daily needs to him. We'll say, you know, God really only cares about the big stuff, so I'll reserve my big prayers for him. But how transformative would our prayer life be is instead of just offering the big cataclysmic uh, w- terrible things in our life and praying for them, what if instead we offered every aspect of our life to the Lord in prayer? I think that's what Paul means when he says pray continually. He doesn't mean lock yourself in a room for eight hours a day and sit in silence. I think what Paul is talking about is the sort of daily bread that Jesus is getting at. To always have a heart bent towards the Lord, to always be looking up to God, to always be our first reflex when something happens in our lives is to lift it up to the Lord in prayer really quick. That when we have anything that comes up in our life to just say, Lord, I need you to help me with this. Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. Lord, I need you to come and do something about this. I noticed that we tend to not do that. I notice that I tend to not do that. And even then, I think it's because, like I said, we don't have this trust in the character of God. We don't have this trust in God in our lives. And I think the reason why that happens, this is my own experience and the experience that I see in others, is that when we have bad things happen in our lives, we have a hard time separating the bad things that happen to us with the character and nature of God. So what I mean by that is when we feel betrayed and hurt by people, we feel betrayed and hurt by God. When we lose our trust in people or institutions, it can cause us to lose our trust in God. That oftentimes we take what even other Christians do to us and the wounds that they give us and the mean things that they say to us and the deep hurtful things that they do is we take those wounds and we say, well, God must have done that to us as well. And it wounds and it damages that trust that we should have with the Lord. As I was prepping for this week, I just got this overwhelming sense as I was praying about this message that a lot of people in this church find themselves in that boat of a feeling of a broken trust with God himself. There's this feeling that we've been hurt or wounded by other people in this church or other people outside this church, or we've just been hurt and wounded by life, and we have taken that out on God, that we have this broken trust, and that's radically affected our relationship with God. It's radically affected our relationship with other people, and whether consciously or unconsciously, we've applied this broken trust to our God. And I want us to hear the invitation that Jesus is offering each and every single one of us here today. It's this invitation to start to trust again. You know, Jesus, I don't think, always snaps his fingers and makes everything right. I think there's oftentimes Jesus likes to work in the process because in the process we grow closer to him. 
I think today Jesus is challenging us that if you feel that sense of broken trust with God, that if you feel like you can't offer these petitions to the Lord in a, in a heart that just has a fundamental trust that God desires to answer prayers, that I want us to hear the invitation from Jesus today to have that renewed sense of trust starting today. To say, Lord, I find myself in the muck and the mire, and what I need is for you to lift me out of the pit, to set my feet on the solid ground. Lord, I need to remember who you are, and I need to learn to trust you once more. Because it's only from that place of trust, it's only from that place of being healed and renewed that we can step forward together. I want to close with this as I invite Caitlin back up. Um, you know, I went and I interviewed here to be the pastor back in January, and it went great. And I remember as I was uh, praying on my way back home, because it was a long drive from Bryan to Kingwood, I was like, all right, Lord, do you want me to come here? And I remember I was leaving Brian, and I was just praying, and I felt the Lord very clearly say to me as I was driving back, he says, you and this church are going to heal together. Church, I don't have it all together. I don't ever want you to think that I do. But I know the one who does. I know the one who invites us to trust again. The one who invites us to new life. The one who lifts us out of pits and puts new songs in our mouth. The one who stretches his hands out on a cross to die our death so we can live his life. Church, I want us to be a people who loves deeply again, who trust the Lord deeply again, and have that be evident in the way that we pray and evident in the way that we live our lives to say, Lord, it doesn't matter what happens outside these walls. Lord, it doesn't matter who comes against us. Lord, it doesn't matter what spiritual battle we may be facing, that we have this renewed sense of trust in God again, because he has made himself known to us, he has shown his faithfulness to us, and that we can lean deeper into prayer and ask him anything that our hearts desires, and we trust that he will not abandon us, that he will not forsake us, and that he will do great and mighty and wonderful things in our presence once again. I want us to hear that invitation today. As Caitlin closes with the song, you know, the altar is open every single Sunday. Um, but this particular Sunday, I feel like if you want to have that renewed sense of trust once again, to just come and just say, Lord, have it start today. Lord, help me to start to learn to trust you today. Just come and pray and kneel at the altar. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening with us. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.